0: Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog. And I'm here with Adam and Nick. And we are going to be talking about the Doctor Who episode, The Ark in Space. Um, I don't know, why don't, uh, Nick, why don't you start out uh, just maybe a recap of the episode or your thoughts on it? Sure, absolutely.
1: Um, the Ark in Space is uh, the second uh, episode that the Fourth Doctor appears in. So it's very early in the Fourth Doctor's run. And it's an episode that's uh, referred to very much when the new series of Doctor Who uh, came back on the air. And it was one of the reference episodes that the new producer, uh, Russell T. Davis, suggested that uh, people would watch to get a feel of what Doctor Who was supposed to be like. And so we have the fourth Doctor, and he's traveling with his companions, Sarah Jane Smith and Harry Sullivan. And they find themselves landing on a space station in the future. And uh, it turns out that the space station is more than just a space station. It's actually an arc that is carrying the remains of what's left of humanity after there seems to be like a large set of solar flares that had gone off. And as they investigate, they discover that humanity has overslept for some unknown reason. And... uh, they, of course, try to investigate and try to revive some of the people. And from there, the plot unfolds. And it's pretty strong, I think. So,
0: Adam?
2: Yes. I uh, Now, I'm a big fan of the episode. And, uh, you know, I, as you know, I brought it up a number of times in uh, the discussions of the uh, newer episodes because it gets referenced so often. I mean, we had smile this season is set during the same, same time period. They're evacuating from the same solar flares that happened in Ark in space. Uh, the beast below was another one where they set it at the same time period with another ship that was taking off from earth. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, 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 you know, one of the, it's, it's basically one that, you know, is one of the most notable points in, in history that they keep showing up in. But, uh,
1: Yeah, I was just going to add to that. It's kind of interesting because even for Doctor Who, this episode gets referenced a lot, but there was an earlier Doctor Who episode called The Ark, which featured the first Doctor, which also played on some of the similar concepts, but was definitely different. But they definitely Mm. go back within the history of Doctor Mm -hmm. Who to this. But there is a first Doctor episode that actually features an Ark and humanity traveling, so kind is, of interesting.
0: Is that so. episode um, readily available out of curiosity? is it... it is. It's actually a complete
1: story. So you mm-hmm. can actually watch the first doctor episode, the arc. Um, I think at that time they were still naming uh, episodes individually. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, each episode has its own title uh, and it kind of features the monoids, these one eyed kind of slaves that help humanity at one point, And then things turn around on the trip. It's about what happens on the trip on this arc that happens okay. that first doctor episode. But I only mentioned that just because it's kind of interesting that doctor who revisits some of the same themes, but they always seem to kind of improve on it as they go. And our <laughs> space is like one of those really strong ones. So I,
0: I would like to talk about some first doctor episodes at some point. So if we can track that right. one down, it might be a, a good idea. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this episode. I, I feel I, 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 uh, Adam had connected me with, with, with the episode and I watched it and it occurred to me as I was doing so that I, I, I definitely have seen clips of this or maybe I saw it as a kid. There were definitely, there, there were pieces of this that were very, very familiar. Um, and not just because they're repeated in, in later episodes. Um, but I, I like the pacing of it. I like that. Um, and again, it's, it's fewer episodes than the last one we did. It's like, I think this was four episodes rather than six, mm-hmm. but just how little happens in that first episode is mm-hmm. is a, a, ab, <laughs> actually kind of amazing um, because yeah there, there I, I I wasn't able to watch it again um before before viewing this, so I'm a little like maybe a week away from watching it. but if I recall there there's there's um you know a lack of oxygen is is one of the challenges and there's um and there's like a little uh defense system that's like neutralizing any 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 intruders with 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 blasts and and yeah. and maybe one or two other things but the first episode really doesn't have a whole a whole lot of uh developments uh but it's still interesting so
2: yeah. I like, I like the way it doesn't introduce the main threat at all. It's just kind of that they're, they're on this abandoned space station, which well, they think is abandoned and they're, You know, they it's just them dealing with the situations on there. You know, there's no, there's no oxygen. So they have to get the, well, they're very little oxygen. So they have to get the power on to get the air going, which turns on the Sentinel thing that, you know, starts firing on them. And it's, it's all just kind of mechanical problems as they're kind of, Getting the station up and running, and it it just got that little hint though of you know the wire being chewed through that there's something more sinister going on. Yeah. So like you say, it's really well paced. And,
1: and and even even with the defense system coming back in a later episode, because we're we're not entirely sure when we finally meet the main monsters or villains of the story, we don't understand why their plan hasn't gone through, and it's actually revealed to us that exactly what happened to the doctor in the first episode is what happened to the alien threat and that they Mm -hmm. weren't able to go through with their plan that the defense system actually worked but not enough to to save everyone And, and i'll even add to you know what you were saying adam which i think is is exactly brilliant there's so much setup that happens you know sarah jane lays down on that like transporter to get herself prepared and you start hearing like the president of earth giving like a Uh, 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 instructions of like you are going to be the hope for humanity this is like and so without there being exposition that's given by the characters it's actually done by the environment and where they're at and that's a, a, a very beautiful thing in which you know the doctor doesn't need to explain what's going on everybody can figure it out just by what's happening to the characters
2: yeah and um, and it's got it's got like the nice doctory touch too of him, you know, using his yo-yo to like figure out from the gravity that they're on a space station and stuff. That's just a, a nice doctor who kind of touch there.
0: And when they when they do introduce the, the humans, when the humans revive from their suspended state, one of the things I found interesting about this was how the humans are so different from humans as we know them that they Mm -hmm. almost might as well be aliens at this point i mean it's largely a cultural shift but it was it's you know it's one of these things that i think again is sort of a you know one of the great things about science fiction especially classic science fiction um so I, i i quite enjoyed that that part of it too
1: there's a there's a neat thing that they do where the all of the human beings have nicknames so they've all been given nicknames other than what their real names are so the commander is actually named noah right yeah. and they're on an ark yeah you know which is, which is kind of neat and when that's addressed i i love the part where they actually say oh we've we've all been named after people from mythology you know so like they bring in like you know our current religious mores and like you know the the stories that resonate with us now and kind of show how those last but in a very neat way like i don't no one blinked an eye or no one sees that as insulting in any way to, you know, anybody's religious beliefs or anything. And I, I think that's a very neat way to introduce that idea.
2: I like the fact, too, that, you know, she brings up them calling him Noah and stuff. It's an amusement. You know, it's like, oh, well, it's it's kind of a joke, but there's no sense of humor to her statement at all. It's like, yes, it is an amusement. You know, and it just, yeah. that, that just really entertained me in the episode, too.
0: There were a lot of little communication breakdowns as they were having dialogue mm-hmm. with, with, uh, with Vera and people like that. And, and it was I, I thought I thought that was kind of kind of interesting. Yeah
1: a another like really nice touch that we get in the very first episode and it's interesting because this is like the second story featuring the fourth doctor uh and of course his scarf becomes an iconic thing for all of doctor who right after you know he wears the scarf through his entire run you know this was still an era in which the doctor didn't wear the same clothes right you know like there were variations on the clothing that happened and things like that um, but we we actually hear where he gets the scarf in this episode, where he says that Madame Nostradamus was a witty little knitter, and so like to get that very early, rather than us waiting, you know, two seasons or three seasons, like we often do now. It's kind of neat just to get that right up front with, like, oh my gosh, like Nostradamus. Is, did Nostradamus have a wife? I have no idea. You know, so his you know. mom? I don't know how that works. So.
2: But, uh, yeah, he did actually have a wife. I can verify that, but, uh, okay. she died of the plague. So, but uh, I don't know why I know that, but I, I know <laughs> it from somewhere.
1: <laughs> I was, I was going to ask if you dated her after. Like, I was like, how do you know? Like, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, no, <laughs> I think, I think actually with that Orson Welles documentary, that's where I know yeah. that from, but, that's uh, right.
0: oh, the, oh, I remember that, that,
2: that yeah, I you thought. see on cable all the time, yeah. but, uh, <laughs>
1: I love that. I'll just let you know that. (laughs) I
2: remember that too. Oh, that's great! Very entertaining. I'll find the um. I'll find the
0: name of that. That's the the Orson Welles documentary on Nostradamus. Um, Yeah,
2: man who saw tomorrow maybe.
0: When, when 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 did that come out? Because I, I remember watching that like in the in the late eighties, but I that feel was like when I was out.
2: watching the late eighties. I'd, I'd
0: even say seventies. I think that was like
2: yeah, it feels they, 70s.
0: It came out in eighty one. It's called the. Okay. You're right. It's the man who saw tomorrow. Um. Yeah, that's that's a, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. If you want to get all you can out of Arkham Space, check out the <laughs> Yeah, I
2: think we made, we made our first major digression in yeah. this podcast. That's okay. Yeah. That happens. Um,
0: <laughs> but the so so another thing that I that I really enjoyed here was um, again, and I think we might have mentioned this with the with the clams in the uh, in the last episode, but the, the the special effects leave something to be desired, but that sort of forces your imagination to, mm-hmm. to work a little bit more. And I, I remember that, that experience when I was a kid watching a lot of these kinds of shows and movies where the special effects always, you know, even in, 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 in big budget movies would fall flat and you would have to kind of go the extra mile yourself as a viewer. Um, and, and I kind of enjoy, I'm kind of enjoying that with, 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 with episodes like this where, You know, you do have to put a little bit of effort as a viewer to (laughs) to to get something out of the special effects. I think I think the
1: story here is so strong that it's you can be very quick to forgive those special effects. And there's ironically, there's one special effect that I think some people are think are horrible that I think works super effectively, and that was the fact that they use green bubble wrap. For the I love the yeah.
2: green bubble wrap. Yeah, and, and yeah.
1: to me, to me, it works a hundred percent. Like I just look at it and go, "Yeah," kind of looks like pustules and like you know wh- whatever that would be. And mm-hmm. so when we see like Noah and he's half converted into one of these creatures, and and when we see the kind of like embryonic form of it, like you know moving around on the ground, even though I consciously absolutely understand that's bubble wrap, I did not have to. Suspend my disbelief but, for those parts, which but that's is what I'm
0: talking about. I'm talking about like, like, be, you know, when you watch a show like this, and if you grew up on on effects like this, you you might know it's bubble wrap, but you you have to go, you go that extra step as a viewer to 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 make it something else. And I think that's a little bit more enriching. And I, I also I think you make another good point, which is when the special effects are what you know not the kind that we're used to today the The writing has to be good, or mm-hmm. y- you, your attention can be drawn to the, to, to you know, to to because to, that's all there is. If there's no writing, is the effects, and so, um, yeah. So it sort of forces them to to put more effort into the writing, um, and so so I don't know. I, I I I I I find myself getting nostalgic for effects that are tangible, but not as maybe persuasive as the ones that we're we're used to today mm-hmm.
2: yeah i mean i agree with you on the writing thing because i mean you know you just have all these long stretches of dialogue in old doctor who which are interesting like you said the whole the whole thing of you know the the communication problems they're kind of having and going back and forth in that discussion in a in a newer episode where they've got lots of fancy special effects and stuff going on and flying around, they they might not bother to have that time, but it's like they, they just kind of need to pace things differently when they they don't have a lot to visually show you.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's interesting on the special effects, too, because when the BBC decided to release this episode on DVD... Uh, they did actually do an updated version with new special effects.
0: Oh, really? So,
1: yeah, when you buy the DVD, you can choose the original version or the one with the updated special effects. And I'm just going to go on record in saying that I always like to watch things in its original format. And so while I have watched it with the special effects, it does not have the charm. It just doesn't Mm. feel right, you know, that kind of thing, you know. you. The irony is, like, you know, we, we see a lot of people, you know, whether you're George Lucas and you're trying to update your Star Wars movie, to me that never seems to properly work. And no. it does not on the DVD either. I, I like watching the older effects,
0: and I think that's yeah. the way to do it. So. Well, I, yeah, I grew I up on older effects, and I, I think um, one of the advantages over CG is CG, it looks very convincing, it looks very real visually, but it sometimes lacks, like, a weight to it. Like, there, it doesn't... Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like it really is there somehow, even though it looks real. Um, And 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 these kinds of effects, even though they don't always look as convincing visually, you know that the actor is actually handling them or interacting with them. And that that can go a long way into making it more convincing sometimes because you can have a dinosaur that looks 100 percent realistic. But if you don't feel like the actor really sees it, that that can that can make it less convincing
2: um yeah yeah uh, and it's uh i mean the other thing too is it's just the aesthetic of the program itself going back and putting like cgi effects in Ark and space i mean it's the same problem you have with you know the original star wars movie it's like i know this is a 70s production it looks 70s it, everything about it is that aesthetic and you put cgi in it and it just doesn't no matter how good the effects are, or how convincing they are, it just is never going to feel right to me. So, so you know? Nick, the,
0: the the revised effects were those. Uh, what year were those made? Ooh, uh, I don't know off the top of
1: my head. If I had to guess, I, I think it was around two thousand and five or so. It was whenever they released the, the DVD. And uh, let me see if I can do a cheater check here. Um. here i'm just double checking and it looks like it came out in no it was much later than i thought i'm sorry uh 2002 okay so or a little earlier than i thought i'm sorry but i guess it was 2002 that i think they did that um another special edition of it was released in 2013 you know, I, I could be wrong. I just, I just don't remember what year they added those those effects. But I do know that it's it's something that's newer within the last so, ten years or so. So it looked
0: more like a new who type of effect, though. Is that? Uh...
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was still done on a super. You know, here's the irony, right? They don't give anybody a, a extra budget <laughs> to pull that stuff off <laughs> oh, of the release okay. of DVDs. <laughs> the so irony is they're still doing low budget effects, just modern low budget okay, effects? Okay, so it's updated but still low budget.
0: Oh, that's yeah, exactly. Uh... So, but that's i mean that's still um you know that's still uh interesting i wasn't aware that, that was the uh because because i w- i just watched them with the old old effects um but uh but but yeah i think um i don't know i i kind of prefer the i can't remember what, what they're called but the real the, the 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 real effects the effects where they're you know they have makeup or or masks yep. or practical yeah, practical
2: yeah yeah effects. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like even, you know, CGI works best when there's a layer of practical under effects underneath it, too. It's like if you're using CGI to touch up practical effects, you can get some really good things. You do have that physicality, but straight CGI, just like you say, it has no weight to it.
0: No, and, and CGI is fine. I just feel like mm-hmm. we shouldn't yeah. have thrown away so much. You know, sometimes you, the practical effects stuff is, uh, is, is good, too. Maybe we shouldn't have, you know switch yeah. so so far to the CGI end of things.
2: Exactly. You
1: know, and and that's, that's probably an excellent transition to talking about the actual monsters in this story because they are bugs, right? So this is kind of outside the scope of what Doctor Who regularly does, and we actually have what look like giant wasps uh, as the villains, the Weirin. And they, they're all done practical, as a practical monster um and one of the things that i like is doctor who was never afraid to do like literal bug monsters which a lot of other sci-fi stays away from um sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and on re-watching this episode i actually thought about how they handled the weirin the, the the monsters a lot like the aliens were handled in the original Ridley Scott film, Alien, where they didn't show all of them very much, just like kind of close-ups of their heads or part of their side. And so I thought that was actually very effective. I really thought that, you know, they were wasps there. I knew they were guys in suits, you know, just because I know. But, like, um, but I, it kind of worked for me. And they didn't have to try to do anything really spectacular for me to believe that those monsters were real.
0: No, and in fact, um, I think Adam. When I emailed you right after watching it, I think one of the first things I mentioned was Alien. Right? Was that? Um, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I I would agree with that. That um, not just for the the way that the monsters were presented, but the, that that entrapment in the um, in the ark, that sense of sort of being stuck in space with with bug monsters.
2: Or you even have the whole the whole ending involving this other smaller ship within the ship that, you know, they're either trying to use as an escape, which in this case turns out to be them luring them on it. But it's the same kind of lifeboat situation you had in Alien. And that was an and, interesting... And there's,
0: oh, there's, go, go ahead,
1: Nick. Well, I was going to say there's one other thing that's interesting, and that is that the Weirin, though they can speak unlike the aliens, actually say, well, we could live in space for a long time without oxygen, unlike you. And so... It's interesting that this story came out two years before Alien because there's a lot of similarities, yeah. actually.
0: So, yeah. No, and that, that was one of the things that was most spooky about it was that, that that advantage that they had over them made them a very terrifying threat. the The fact that you you weren't really sure number one how many of them there were, what they <laughs> you know you you all, a lot of things were left deliberately unclear, and that made them a little bit more scary. But it was interesting that that they were able to communicate. That that I thought uh, that gave that gave it a dynamic, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't just about running away from the creatures. You were there was there was this this back and forth, and you were also never a hundred percent sure of the you know the Noah character. You know when he was he speaking as a human, was he speaking as as as, as a bug monster? It was uh it was it was I don't know. It was interesting. It was very interesting. Yes. There's a, the, another
1: thing that, that parallels Alien, which was interesting to me as I rewatched it, and that was the we're in as they assimilate or as they like take a person over, they're able to take over their memories. And the way Alien is presented when when somebody, you know, gets infected by an alien and we get a new chestburster, they take on the DNA of that species. Mm-hmm. So, you know, wh- one is obviously the memory, the mind and the science, and one is the the, mm-hmm. the DNA. But I, I thought there were, again, these kind of crazy parallels between these stories, which which were interesting. So well,
0: that that was an interesting plot point, because if I remember the 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 Waren they had previously been attacked by by humans. Humans had somehow pushed them out of their original environment. And and so this was almost a little bit like revenge and Mm -hmm. and and he was saying you know we'll absorb your memories and there was you know that was there was something kind of horrifying about that that you know we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna wipe you out and we're going to absorb your your memories into us was uh you know very uh, i don't know something about that
2: (laughs) yeah yeah definitely i mean it was uh like I said, it was very much revenge-based, and because, it, because, it, like I said, you know, the doctors like, well, why don't you go to some other place? Why don't you find someone, you know, something else? And it's like, yeah, well, no, we we want to take these people out. That's how <laughs> that was that was the plan. But uh, yeah, you know, another interesting thing though, bringing up the bug thing, of course, is that humans in this story are all. In cocoons they all come out they have very specialized roles they define themselves by it's like they're developed it's like humans in this future have developed these really like bug-like you know, this real insect-like culture themselves which is uh an interesting touch
0: yeah because they, they were very uh non-emotive and uh-huh. uh yeah i, I would I, I think they definitely there was a there was a parallel there between them.
2: yeah Yeah, and
0: again, it also reminds me of Alien because you know Uh
1: all these these humans like are are in these pods waiting to be unfrozen, and that's exactly how Alien like starts. You know, but with a much higher budget, right? Like you know, a Hollywood director. Um, And it should also be uh, just interesting to note that uh, Ridley Scott, who directed Alien, was originally worked for the BBC as a designer, and almost got assigned. To the first Dalek episode, which actually got uh, uh, assigned to Raymond Cusack instead, so Ridley Scott almost designed the Daleks, is the understanding of the story, but he didn't. Somebody else did, but uh, he was involved in some of those very early BBC productions as as some of his earliest work. So maybe there is a little bit of
0: parallelism in there. So well, Could and this be. was this uh, what what year did this did this episode air? It was seventy um... seven. Seventy-seven. Oh, actually, no. It was earlier. Um, yeah. Seventy-five, I think. Oh, I'm sorry. Seventy-five. Yeah. yeah. Seventy-five. So, yeah, that is. I mean, if it, it, I, I would imagine, it, it probably did have an uh, an impact. Um, you know, I, I would, If you know, if you. Were, it, it, it must have been some. It must have been something that they watched before.
2: Uh... Well, yeah. I mean, really, Scott being British and it being a very well-known science fiction show, and I mean, it's it's not too hard to see it being something he saw. And I mean, and even if he did, it's like Alien is its own brilliant thing. So it's not like he just you know. Oh took it and ripped it off he did you know if he, if he was inspired by it he took it and did something cool with oh, it oh yeah so no that's, i
0: wasn't i wasn't suggesting that at all i was no um, oh, yeah. i
2: know i just just clarifying that yeah. you know i'm not a, I'm not i don't think it goes like plagiarism or anything it's just it's just an influence mm.
0: but yeah and i liked the uh the solar flare too that 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 as sort of the apocalyptic event I thought it was, mm-hmm. was pretty cool I know that that's come up in more recent episodes but I I, I find that a um, you know that's in that, to me that's a very cool choice
2: because um, it's not the first thing that you would think of um, no no it's just uh, it's weather you know <laughs> it's uh, it's this thing it's this vast thing that's bigger than humanity that has this huge effect you know it's easy it's easy to do well humanity nukes themselves or something but this is just just a, an epic event.
1: I think one of the things that I particularly like about Ark in Space that sometimes comes up is very often we're told that Sarah Jane Smith is a, a you know a feminist character, somebody who's striving for equality. And in the nineteen seventies, especially in seventy five when this was made, as you said, you know that was something that was on everyone's mind. And there's a scene in the fourth part that I, I particularly like, and that's when Sarah Jane volunteers. First of all, she's cool enough to volunteer on her own to run the wires that they need to through the ducts to try to to avoid the the we're in And she says, well, I think I, I'm small enough. I think I can get through the ducts. And so, first of all, I, I like that sense of bravery that Sarah Jane has when she does that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's kind of this very fun sequence that happens in which Sarah Jane gets stuck in the duct, right? And the doctor can hear her, and he's like, come on, come through here. And she's like, I'm, I'm stuck. So he starts to basically kind of rip on her. I knew I should have never trusted a girl to do this. Yeah. I, you know, you know, yeah. oh, this girl trusting a girl to save humanity. And, and Sarah Jane just gets so mad that she like pushes her way through. She's not going to stop. And, and what I love about that sequence is that as soon as she gets out, like the doctor helps her down and he's like, it's okay, Sarah Jane. It's cool. Like, you know, whatever. And you can just, first of all, the viewer knows without being told that the doctor doesn't mean anything that he's saying. He's using that as a motivation to get her through. And he doesn't say, Sarah Jane, I was kidding, or anything like that. It's not explained. And what I like about that is you have to be smart enough to understand what was going on there. It's not fed to you oh, the doctor was faking yep. so that Sarah Jane could get through and i like how they put that dialogue together
2: yeah and i like her reaction after she comes out of the vent it's like she's mad at him but she's kind of amused at the same time it's like she gets what he did you know it's, it's just it's this really good moment between them you know in that episode or it's like yeah that's a it's it's, it's it plays very well, well But the, uh
0: this kind of gets at what i was saying about i think it was oxygen um last yeah. uh last uh last discussion adam where you know sometimes when they don't ex- you know like they don't have you know i don't need them to tell me how to feel about something and so i like mm-hmm. i like you know i like when it's sort of you know you, you know it's it's all you know it's not necessarily hard to discern but they don't need to sort of spoon feed you the explanation <laughs> of what's going on
2: Um, yeah yeah you know they don't need to tell us oh humanity is like bugs too in the future you know isn't it ironic you know or or, or they don't
0: need to assure you that the doctor you know doesn't really mean what he says or what you know whatever it is yeah there's 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 an assumed level of you know that you you get it and you don't need it explained to to you
2: no I know I I appreciate that but yeah going back to you know bringing oxygen into it too I, I kind of mentioned during that discussion that you know arc in space is another one that it, it doesn't have the solar flare thing but it's another one where they show up on a space station and oh there's there you know there's there's problems going on on the space station it's like the very opening of yeah. that reminded me a lot of Ark in space when it kind well, of got going even
0: the, the space stations themselves i think they were were they fairly similar uh in terms of design was it
2: i think they were, they yeah. were.
0: They're, they're both wheels in
1: space if you want to call it that mm-hmm. so yeah yeah
0: but uh, but yeah, that, I guess that you know this is a good episode. I think to uh, it, it I, you can definitely see echoes of it uh in the in the in the new Who episodes for sure.
2: Mhm. And it's uh, it, it is also the very second Tom Baker episode, and the first one where he leaves modern day Earth. So it's you know, I mean, it's it's a great starting point on a number of levels, you know, well,
0: and you guys could probably address this way better than I could, but what do you think in terms of the characterization of the doctor at this point in his tenure? Like, is it, do you think he, it's very clear, uh, you know, like what he, what he is, or do you think that this is sort of part, like part of an overall evolution towards the final, uh, you know, the final characterization that he, he arrives at.
2: I, and, I, I personally feel he kind of hits it out of the park right away i mean you know it's it's like in the in the in the episode before this one yeah there's a little bit of him feeling it out a little bit here and there but it's like once you get to this episode boom he is he is the fourth doctor okay. there's just no question you know if, if you didn't know the order you could show this to people and they they wouldn't they wouldn't feel like it was some formative version of him i don't know what do you feel nick
1: i you know i i feel exactly the same way i think Tom Baker kind of knew what he was going to play out of out of the gate. And I think he just decided that, um, you know, the the fourth doctor might be, you know, have, have a, a, an extra joke here or there later in his run. But for the most part, the exact same character. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because one of the things that they did was they added uh, Harry Sullivan at the start of this season as a character because they didn't know if Tom Baker would be tough enough to be the doctor. So, they had Harry along mm-hmm. to be muscle in case they needed him to like punch people out and things like okay. that. But but Tom Baker was already, you know, he's a pretty big guy. I think he's like six foot four. He carries himself well, he, you know, can act really well. And I think, you know, Harry lasted, I think, a season and a half. And they were like, ah, we don't really need Harry mm-hmm. because they brought him on as being that like extra kind of tough guy. But Tom Baker already had that, you know, <laughs> yeah. and he his persona care enough. So.
2: Yeah, I just thought, I mean, obviously he's a sidekick being a companion, but he comes off as a sidekick even on a physical level next to the Doctor, really. It's yep. kind of ironic that he was meant to be the muscle.
0: Though I will say uh-huh. his personality did seem to me a little bit more aggressive than the Doctor's, whereas the Doctor has a more, uh, true, you know, like almost more of a scholarly type, uh, mm-hmm. you know, way, man, way about him. And, and mm-hmm. Harry is much more, you can see him resorting to fists a lot faster. Um, yeah. but, but, yeah. but I, I actually kind of like, I, I like the three companion dynamic. I think that, uh, mm-hmm. that, that, that works in a lot of cases and, and here, you know, I think it allowed for a lot of interesting dialogue, um, and, and it, it allowed for a conversation to still occur after, um, you know, they were separated, you know, cause he's with Harry. So, uh, so I thought there was some good, good parts of that as well.
2: Yeah, yeah i I think and i think i I think Harry you know he had good chemistry with a doctor and he had good chemistry with Sarah Jane. I think it was just an all around good crew i mean yeah they 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 decided to kind of trim the cast back but I, I like I said, I don't think they needed to he he just he worked anyway
1: you know last last podcast when we talked about Genesis of the Daleks um one of the things that I think we mentioned was the fact that the three uh the two companion dynamic allows for somebody to get separated because sarah jane in that episode gets separated from them when she ends up in the in the Thaw lines as opposed to the khaled lines and here's another example where sarah jane gets on that trans matter you know and gets like mm-hmm. yeah. so you know they have her getting into trouble but the two of them are kind of kind of searching for her and i, I think it, it's hard for the doctor alone self-dialogue I guess with himself when they're looking for somebody who's lost or something so I do think that the three companion dynamic works really well because you can say hey have you seen this or where did this person go you know and it's natural as opposed to somebody just thinking to themselves now where did they go like you know it's a very very different you know almost a fake feeling because we all think that but we never ideate that and say it out loud you know so
2: no no and um uh, yeah i mean the other thing too with the dynamic is that you know harry's this very traditional old-fashioned british type and sarah jane's this very forward-thinking modern type so it just it adds you know they, they added an interesting dynamic of what's going on in society at the time
0: so I, uh, I i suspect that's the thing that's probably most easily lost on the viewer if uh like, you mm-hmm. know, outside of the context of the period, it's it's maybe harder to pick up on. Um,
2: yeah, that's very possible. I mean, I, I think because the thing is, the show is very self-conscious of that. It's like, you know, because I have heard people accuse episodes like this. of being, Oh, that episode is so sexist. Going back right. to people not getting things. It's like all those things Harry says. And it's like the, the, the people writing the show completely know that what Harry is saying is offensive. And that he's he's kind of kind of a jerk in some ways. But you know, a lot of people look just think, well, it's an old show, and they they must have meant it, you know.
1: I, I think about how Harry calls Sarah Jane, "Come on, old girl," you know, and mm-hmm. everyone's like, "But well, she's not old, like you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, 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 that's just a term of affection, you know. Come on, hey, you know, like, but that'd be like one of those old school things that nobody would say unless you were from a certain time now, you know. So
2: exactly, yep. but. Yeah. She even calls him on it. And I think is, I think it was in this episode or Genesis the Daleks. She's just like, you know, you call me that one more time. And but, uh.
1: <laughs> Yep. it's it's interesting because last week's episode, we did Genesis of the Daleks. And at the end of this episode is when they transmat down to Earth. But that transmat gets intercepted for genesis of the daleks so Mm -hmm. it's interesting that there's a very they're without the tardis they're literally leaving the tardis behind on the space station at the very end of the story and and they're heading off for a different adventure so I, i i bring that up because we kind of talked about that last week and that transition is very interesting because it's you know sort of the crew without their ship changes in the next story and that's a parallel to the crew with their ship in danger of the Noah and the rest of the humans in this particular story. So,
2: yeah, you know, bring up the transmat device reminds me of of another question too, because when I saw this episode, I've always interpreted at the end, there's just something funny about the doctor saying, Oh, the transmat device doesn't seem to be working right. And, and, you know, and, and it's like, I always read that as him just coming up with an excuse cuz hey, I want to go down and look around on earth, you know. Uh, and but a lot of people seem to think it's a goof. They're like, "Well, you know, why why doesn't he take the Tardis? You know, why why does why is he going to take the Transmat device when it doesn't even work right? Isn't that dangerous?" And it's like, "No, I think it works fine. He just <laughs> he's just 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 so, he wants to play with it."
0: So I just want to be clear cuz I'm not as familiar with the um, the chronological order here. Is the chronological order of episodes slightly out of whack with genesis of the daleks taking place between this and the suntaran experiment? oh no no
2: it takes place after they take the oh. trans i mean it's not so it's a on the way spoiler, back or but oh, he- oh, on the oh. way back when they okay. take the trans back to the uh space station is when they get grabbed by the time lords
0: okay oh. okay yeah. yeah yeah that was that was my fault sorry i'm talking a little oh, bit oh, out oh of trans- no that's fine i just wanted to make sure i got it clear in my head <laughs> so I, uh when we do yeah, the Santarn yeah. experiment i'm not uh I'm not wrong right. about.
2: We're, we're, we're the ones that started watching them out of order, so I, yeah.
1: I know like, we did this to ourselves.
2: Exactly. Like,
0: but uh, but yeah, so I I don't know. It's a, but it, also watching them in order is very. I am I'm, I'm finding that that helpful now um mm-hmm.
2: you know I, but this guess, season yeah, yeah this season is great to watch in order it's one of the most tightly woven of any of the uh seasons as far as that goes
1: and, and, and i think that's a very important thing to bring up because a lot of the times people when they talk about doctor who and they say oh there's a story arc set to the season they very quickly point to the season of the key to time and mm-hmm. it's interesting while there is actually a story arc here and and you know, between these stories of where they go from one to one, there's not like a, a final villain at the end of the season like there would be no. for the Key to Time and Modern Doctor Who, which often has that kind of you know overarching you know story. But I, I think it's neat in the very early days of Doctor Who every episode seemed to follow from the last episode and it was like one ongoing story. You know, we're talking first and second doctor kind of stuff here. Mm-hmm. And that definitely, you definitely have that feeling as you go from one story to the other here that this is just one ongoing experience for this group, which is, mm-hmm. I think a really cool sense of storytelling that we don't, well, at least in the new series, haven't quite seen that as much. I think the, you know, maybe the first season that they started in 2005, where we kind of, you know Rose has disappeared and then she like you know we we yeah. there's a little bit of that follow but not so much in a lot of the other Doctor Who that we get so
0: well in the newer mm-hmm. ones i find that a lot of times you don't quite know how much time is meant to have passed between episodes um and uh and and with the, and i do like sort of the linking where like oh they were just at the space station now they were just here uh some i mean i guess i guess in a way they've kind of been doing that this season it feels like some of the episodes are kind of link that way but um yeah but yeah I, I i but but also the thing even though these are connected i feel like they're individually very you can just watch them on their own you don't mm-hmm. need to connect it to the other ones to appreciate the episode um and so mm-hmm. you know, it's one one you know one of the things i've been kind of you know bitching about a bit is uh is the the tendency in a lot of shows now where there's the 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 the, the storyline that runs through the entire season just overwhelms everything sometimes, and uh, yeah, not that having a storyline run through the season is bad, but I just want the individual episodes to still be enjoyable mm-hmm.
1: um, and stand on their own because yeah. that's the, the the difficulty of of you know creating the you know overarching overarching threat is just or or point is that you can. Have what you know are often seen as throwaway episodes. You're like, oh, that just doesn't feel as valuable this season because it didn't touch on the big plot. And I I think it's stronger when you write each story to like you know the best of its ability. And um, I, I also think it's it's interesting to me that the American doctor who experience was that anybody could kind of start watching doctor who this is, I'm talking like the eighties, you know, and stuff mm-hmm. like that at any point you just might tune in and go, Holy smokes. This is like, cool. I'm going to start watching here. Mm-hmm. It's harder to do that when there are story arcs and you don't understand what's happening. Right. Yeah. So, but older yeah. doctor who you could, you know, whether you start at Genesis of the dogs, you start at Ark in space, you can just start there and enjoy it from there forward. So, but what yeah. I also
0: do like is the, um, the fact that there are four six you know three episodes per story um you know i, I it just gives it, it like i said last time it gives it more you know room to breathe um and you know they still i mean they you know there have been connected episodes in the newer who um but i think i think if they if they did more of these i think that would be kind of kind of interesting if they uh Um, though I don't know how that would work with the current setup because everything's kind of very structured in terms of how many episodes there are. um...
2: Yeah, well, it's the kind of thing that, you know... Now now one thing they've got with a lot of shows being on streaming services, you have all these TV shows that don't actually have set times. So you have shows where one episode will be 25 minutes, the next episode will be 35 Mm -hmm. minutes, the next episode will be 40 minutes, and they can actually you know make every episode specifically as long as they want it to be but you know with the doctor who they've still got it they've still got to put it in that tv time slot so
0: that is that is an interesting point because i imagine eventually the scheduling is gonna i mean i'll bet even doctor who won't be on on, mm-hmm. on a schedule anymore after a while and that should that that might be yeah. kind of interesting
2: um yeah yeah, because uh, I mean, you know, BBC has its own streaming service that is only available in Britain, and you know, everybody, uh, you know, because everybody has access to it. At some point, they're going to go. Well, why are we putting these on channels? Let's just use the streaming service. You know, when when it becomes widely available.
0: Well, I feel like we're like in a middle state of what like like before before uh you know, the 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 transition uh from from VHS to DVD was a hundred percent clear and you'd go into the, the video store and there would still be both. Uh, yeah. We're kind, we're kind of in that phase with uh, streaming versus regular television, I think. Yeah. We uh, are. But I'm, I'm seeing way more people phase out of that. So I think we're going to, I think things will be streaming within the next 10 to 15 years.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's, there's just no, you know aside from sports shows you know there's no advantage to doing the live broadcast thing that's the the one thing the one thing that i think is keeping tv traditional tv going is sports hmm.
1: that's interesting
2: yeah it's my theory but uh <laughs> <laughs> it's uh because i one thing too it's it's uh you know ESPN is the thing that the cable companies you know charge the most money for it's like oh, really? when you when you when you buy cable you know you're paying this one lump sum for all these channels mm. almost all that money goes to ESPN oh wow cuz that's the one thing that's the one true. Channel ESPN that should lose. be doing a
0: way better job, in my opinion. But that's a whole other, <laughs> that's a whole other topic, I guess. That,
2: that's another topic. Okay. But, uh... you don't but you yeah. don't like
1: ESPN?
0: The Ocho? What are you talking about? Like
1: okay, <laughs> so ESPN eight or two or five or however I
0: you know what? It, 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 I feel like there are a lot of there are a lot of sports out there that would be interesting to people that 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 aren't featured regularly enough on the, on the ESPN channels, um, oh, or they're right. hard to find or, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, you, obviously you have the standard sports that people like, uh, and, and know, but, uh, you know, I, I, would kind of like to see coverage of, for example, you know, like Olympic sports, like, but before the Olympics actually happen, So going to the qualifiers for different, uh, Olympic sports and, and, and so, so that you're, So that people are more aware of the competitors by the time they get to the actual Olympics.
2: Well, that's, you know, the Olympics broadcasting by the NBC in America is universally considered about some of the worst in the world. It's like most countries do have much better streaming services. Mm. You can be watching anything at any time on your computer you know it's it's yeah cuz cuz yeah, i have a NBC does a terrible job
0: there are a few key sports i mean again we're getting way off doctor who so i'll bring it back I know.
2: Then,
0: but there are a few key it's, sports that i like to who watch doctor who fans
2: love sports during the but, olympics uh... and
0: yeah
1: and, some do some do
2: uh, you know it's yeah, but
0: uh yeah we'll 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 uh, we'll bring it back to doctor who just to uh to uh, uh but um but yeah i don't know i i think um I thought this was a really, really solid episode, um, and i'm 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 very i'm very eager to get to the Suntarans now. Um, I guess we'll kind of have to skip over the Genesis of the Daleks because we saw that already and did a, right. an episode on yeah. it. But, uh, yeah. but we yeah, should the,
1: we should probably go back and do Robot and then get us on track to the first Tom Baker story. You know what? So, that's a
0: good idea. That's a good idea because I. You know, I, I just, my, the, the, we'll, the, we'll, we'll do the first tom baker season out of order and like you know. no no because the obsessive compulsive part of my brain keeps thinking about this one episode that like we were not gonna we're not gonna get to and so i think if we if we watch we that it'll
2: yeah yeah uh, and uh but, you know no, or, or we can mix it up and do them in the chronological order they take place in the history of the universe rather than watching them in like broadcast order we yes, can try yes. and feast that together watch them in that order and see what happens but just, uh
1: just so we can feel good about our, our our conversation about sports, and just to make a point, and that is, I don't think Doctor Who's ever really done an episode that's featured on, like, sports as a very integral part of what's going on.
2: Oh, I, yes, it I, has. Well,
1: oh, I'm the, sorry.
2: Uh, what was the... Uh, the uh, um, oh, I forget the name of the episode now. It's um, Fear Her, the episode with the uh, girl oh. who's got the crayon drawings to come sure. to life. That was uh, done during Tenet, but that... That's yep. all a tie into the British Olympics, you know. The whole yep. torch runner is a significant part, and yep. so yeah, that was the so was, Olympics. I was, ad. I
1: was thinking a little bit more about like the doctor discovering like sports fixing or like you know,
2: okay, kind of a you like
1: know. that that I mean, you had a great point, Adam. Like yeah, that because <laughs> of the Olympics, they definitely you know connected Fear Her to that. But I, you know, it's, I, I can't think of an episode in which sports is what the doctor had to deal with. like like kind of
2: a a dick francis novel where it's all about trying to fix a horse race or something i I think it's
0: probably for the best like you know (laughs) a lot of times when they have sports in in uh in science fiction it doesn't always it doesn't always (laughs) work like what was that what's ambo jitsu in uh in star trek do you remember the the ambo jitsu -jitsu.
2: yeah Um, yeah i think uh yeah, you uh, you, oh, you you mentioned that to me once I looked it up okay, I don't even yeah, that, remember that, that one's
0: one. always that i that's always stuck in my mind that one is an example of of that song. oh
2: that's right we were going to do the Star Trek role-playing game and you wanted a character with the ambu-jitsu. Was that that any... was the <laughs> only demand yes yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just really wanted an excuse to quote a few lines from that episode but
1: uh you know. but I, I can think of a couple movies or TV shows that actually have fairly decent like sports plots i mean like rollerball the original i think okay, is kind of strong. fair yeah and, and i think i don't know if you guys have ever seen uh oh my gosh i can't think of the name of it the, the sport they have is is jugging or juggers uh oh my gosh it's a post-apocalyptic movie that, that is pretty cool so oh, and, and yeah. i can think of a really low budget b movie that was better than it might sound which was called arena and uh and the running
0: man, the running man. Oh, and yeah. the running man. man. Um, there's a, there's, there's a,
2: there's a great Jack Vance novel too. Uh, the first of the alistair series is, uh, is all about a guy getting involved in this sport and stuff on this alien yeah. world. And it's, i was wrong i think i was
0: wrong about um about sci-fi and sports now that now that we're actually bringing up good examples (laughs) now we've crushed your argument i was was incorrect and i need to retract that because uh starship troopers they had that that weird version of football it was it wasn't football um, but it was football um yeah i was definitely wrong
2: the movie
1: (laughs) that i was the movie that i was thinking about is called the blood of heroes it came out in the 80s and it's a about a sport that's played in in post apocalyptic earth and it's actually a great movie uh, where they oh. they play it with like a dog skull that you have to stick on a pike <laughs> and everybody does this crazy stuff it's a, a B movie but it really holds up with
0: Rutger Hauer in it, so
2: wow Rutger Hauer 80s post apocalyptic film I've never heard of I'm I'm actually oh. pretty surprised No that uh, that,
0: that, that movie sounds here. familiar um <laughs> I, you know that that's going to make it onto the list I think we might want yeah. to uh
2: yeah, that it. sounds I, I, like a candidate.
0: If I remember correctly, I think Joan Chen was
1: in the movie, Rooker Hauer and uh Vincent D'Onofrio was in it. So there's a, actually actually amazingly good cast in that movie. So
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a must watch.
0: Yeah.
2: That's yeah. called Blood of Blood of Heroes.
0: Blood of Heroes, yeah, I recommend it. So and any movie with a title like that is gonna be good.
2: <laughs>
0: it, it
1: is and it's one of those things that if you go into any of those like post-apocalyptic like conventions that they have out in you know the deserts in california they actually play that game you oh, know like the, the, wait the, the there the are Mad- post-apocalyptic
0: conventions stuff. i i i'm apparently really out of touch with yeah. uh <laughs> so there's there's sort of like these, these and i
1: apologize i don't know the names of them and i've always wanted to go i'll be very honest but um, they it, it's kind of like a Burning Man type festival that happens out in California, okay. but it's all post-apocalyptic. So everybody dresses up oh. at Mad Max. People show up as like, you know, you know, in Mohawks and like crazy post-apocalyptic cars that they put together and, you know, dress as war boys and stuff. And one of the things the, the things they do there is they have a Thunderdome. They'll mm-hmm. build a real Thunderdome for people to use and they'll play the game from the blood of heroes. The jugger game, like is one of the things that they do there. So I've always wanted to go check that out. Cause I'm a big post-apocalyptic fan and which wow. does tie into arc, uh, the Ark in space, by the way, cause that's a post-apocalyptic yep. doctor who,
2: <laughs> so like, there we go. Yeah. we uh, home.
1: Uh, <laughs> but, but I've always, but I've always wanted to go and check that out. Cause I think that would be kind of a, a crazy cool thing to experience. So,
2: wow. Yeah, that does sound very cool. But, uh, yeah, I've actually got queued up right now uh, the movie Doomsday from 2008 that I still haven't seen. I've actually got that sitting, waiting to stream uh-huh. on HBO right now. So Nice.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tend to accumulate movies and work my way through them slowly.
2: Yeah, I, I do have five tabs of movies I'm about to watch. So saying I'm about to watch it is a, you know, we'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and streaming services only make that worse because then you have this big bank of films that you that you want to watch, but uh, but that's interesting. That's a, a post-apocalyptic uh, convention. It's also interesting you mentioned Mohawks because I I've always the whole Mohawk in the apocalypse thing always seemed like a very inconvenient hairdo to have to uh, maintain yeah, when you yeah. don't have access to 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 electricity and and, right. and or or. Uh, super clean razors um
1: well you know it's it's funny that you say that and and you guys are facebook friends with me i think so you guys would know that i just had a mohawk actually just recently so i saw that i saw when when i was wearing my mohawk i started getting really interested in like figuring out like well where does that come from right and it was originally american indians who you know had the mohawk right so we're talking like the I think the Ho-Chunk tribe and some of the Iroquois nations that were in the east originally had it. And I was like, well, how did they take care of it? And I found out after doing a little bit of research, you know, doing the Wikipedia and stuff, that they plucked the hair out, that they didn't oh, shake okay. it. And so that, like, that's a lot of hair on your head to pluck, man. Did, so did like, they pluck oh, them
0: individually or do they do like a waxing type?
1: Thing? Well, and, and that I don't know. All it said was that they plucked them, but I'm like, Man, that's, you gotta be pretty hardcore to pluck half your head, <laughs> one that's... tweezer at a time, or whatever they were using. Yeah, so, it, like, more, yeah.
0: that just seems like it would be so labor-intensive to to right? to. to play. They must have had a. a I'm, I'm willing to bet they must have used some kind of waxing method or something I,
1: I don't know what they did but i was like i'm really happy that we have clippers that's all i gotta say so. <laughs> we'll
0: have to look into that and try to cut we'll, we'll try to you know inform people next episode what the uh right. what the different yeah. methods. that's interesting that that uh sure. now did you find um did you how how did you find the mohawk in terms of um i don't know comfort and things like that
1: you know, you're, you're gonna laugh. I would wear the mohawk every day of my
0: life if I could. Unfortunately I'm a
1: professional at a university, so they have a frown
2: on the parents,
0: mohawks.
1: I think so. Um
2: yeah, I, had a, I had a roommate with a mohawk in uh in college, but uh yeah, he mainly left it down. He didn't do that, you didn't like spike it up much. Uh-huh. mainly just kinda had it had it hanging because, you know, getting it to stand up a lot yes, of well, work.
1: I was a punk rocker back in the day and that was my preferred haircut. And mm-hmm. so I find an excuse to, to do that every now and then and was able to convince. I, I made a bet with some students this year that if if they would color their hair green, that I would shave my head into a mohawk and color green for St. Pats this week or this year. And enough students did it that I had to follow through, but little did they know that I really wanted to do this. The
2: joke yeah, was so, on them.
0: you, <laughs> so, you got to be I, careful what you ask for. I remember... <laughs> Well, I had one professor who asked. Um, he gave us the option. He said, uh, "If we wanted to forego getting any tests or any, you know, like having to take the class, that he he'd he'd do like a, a a one a one one man versus the room grudge match. And if 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 we could if we could all bring him to the floor, then we would all get A's. But if he dropped a single one of us, everybody would fail." um <laughs> oh, no! all right and, uh, and and everybody wanted to take him up on it and then he was like no i was just joking but uh... <laughs> but now is there a width requirement for mohawk like is it a certain point does it is it not a mohawk like where's the uh
1: <laughs> well well i i i think you can you know, we, we we live in the twenty first century, so I'm pretty sure whatever you want to goes. Okay. So, there's, got,
2: there's got to be a line though between Mohawk and Jay Jonah Jameson. There's, just, <laughs> right, there's yeah. somewhere you cross that line.
1: Right. So I, I think I think the Mohawk tends to be a little thinner and or taller, right? So like yeah, yeah. I you know, know. can kind of see there like a little bit of what what's left in my hair, but like yeah, there's now it's yeah. out. But if I what if, if I like cut that down, then you'll see it again. So. <laughs> cut my sides down Glad so uh, but all right it's so bit it's that's been... the best part of ark in space is the mohawk of course so,
2: <laughs> of course of course <laughs> yeah
0: well, right the mohawk was definitely the best the uh... so we've been going on for a little while now and i, I think it's time to end the program um me and Adam will be back on early this week to talk about the latest episode of Doctor Who Nick's gonna be away but uh, he's gonna come back and when he does we'll continue talking classic who and in the meantime me and Adam will get together and, and do some more of the Tom Baker episodes just to keep the ball rolling um, so yeah if you made it this far thanks uh, we appreciate it and uh, you, know, uh, you know stay tuned for for more more Doctor Who stuff and we will talk to you later